Good evening, everyone. It's a pleasure to come your way with the Bible studies for today. Um, thanks to Pastor Steve for the opportunity to lead the Bible study. Um, and as you're all aware, we are going to be dealing with the book of Revelations. And so from now till the end of March, we'll be dealing with the book of Revelations. So shall we pray? Father, in Jesus' mighty name, we thank you for the opportunity to be gathered here um, and to study your word. We are praying, God, for utterance. We are praying for understanding. We pray that the eyes of our understanding will be enlightened. We pray, O oh God, that you give us a revelation in the name of Jesus. Even as we study this book, we pray that the blessings that comes with studying this book will be our portion in the mighty name of Jesus. Holy Spirit, come and teach us today. Open our heart to receive your word in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. So, Revelations is one of Revelation is one of the least read books in the Bible, and there are so many reasons why people um, Christians don't like to read Revelations. But you know, um, for every story, for every movie, the concluding part is the most interesting part or is the climax of the movie. It tells how the story ends. And so everyone who is watching a movie or everyone who is reading a, a, a book, a storybook, is waiting for the conclusion, is waiting for the end. But unfortunately, people are not so um, excited about the, the book of Revelation, even though it is the end. And it's because of a lot of misconceptions about the book. The first one is people think that revelations when they read revelations they become afraid but the bible tells us that god has not given us a spirit of fear and so fear is not something that is coming from god the purpose of revelation is not to put fear in us others also say that revelation is confusing when they read revelations they become confused because they don't understand what the book is saying but the Bible tells us again in 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 33, that God is not the author of confusions. And so the purpose of the book of Revelation is not to bring confusion, even though there have been a lot of um, different interpretations for the book of Revelation. The purpose of the book is not to bring confusion. Now, others also say that the meaning of Revelation is hidden, so they, don't, they will not understand it. But look at the, the title of the book. The title of the book is Revelations, which means that it has been revealed. It has not been hidden. And so the, the, um, the meaning of revelation is not hidden. The reason why people get this um, perception about the book is, is because of what they focus on when they are reading the book of Revelations. When you are reading the book of Revelations, you have to focus on Jesus Christ. Like the first verse in the book says, it is the revelation of Jesus Christ. The book of Revelations is not about the Antichrist. It is not about tribulations. It is about Jesus Christ. And so once you have this focus that you are reading about Jesus Christ, the book doesn't become confusing. The meaning is not hidden and it does not bring fear. Once you zoom in and you focus on Jesus Christ, today I'm just uh, we are just going to touch on the, on the introduction of the book, um, and so we are going to deal with chapter one, and subsequently we are going to deal with the other verses. Now, 
Even though Revelations talk, talks about tribulation and how God is going to deal with sinners, that that shouldn't be the focus. That shouldn't be your focus when you are reading the book. You see, God wants to deal with sin. And so to deal with sin, he has to deal with any person. He's, he wants to eradicate sin from this world. This world, because sin entered into the world, God has to replace this world, this heaven and earth. And therefore, sin has to be dealt with. And in dealing with sin, anyone who has the sin nature will have to be dealt with. So the purpose of God is not to tell man that I'm going to punish you, but the purpose of God for for revelation is to tell man that there is hope and we are going to be delivered totally from the presence of sin. And to be delivered from the presence of sin, anybody who still have the identity as a sinner will have to be dealt with. And God doesn't want any of us to perish. He doesn't want any of us to face the punishment of sin. And therefore, the, the book of Revelation has been given to us 2,000 years in advance so that we know what is going to happen to sinners. If God wanted to catch us in our sins, he wouldn't have given us the book of Revelations. But for him to have given us the book of Revelations means that he wants us to escape from the penalty of sin. And that, is, that should also be Another exciting reason why you should read Revelations because it is the warning to mankind of the end of the sinner. Another exciting reason is you see the end of Satan and you see the glorious end of the church. And this excites me whenever I read Revelation. So we are going to start um, going deeper into the book of Revelations today. And um, like I said, our focus will be just on the first chapter of Revelations. Now, Revelations chapter 1, I'm reading from verse 1 to verse 3. The Bible says, The revelations from Jesus Christ, which God gave him to show his servant. I think I would prefer using the New King James. Let me just switch quickly to the New. Okay, so the New King James says, The revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave him to show his servant, things which must shortly take place. And he sent and signified it by his angel, to his servant, John, who bore witness to, to the word of God and to the testimony of Christ, to all things that he saw. Blessed is he who reads and those who hear the words of this prophecy and keep those things which are written in it, for the time is near. Like I said earlier, the introduction tells us that it is the revelation of Jesus Christ. It is not the revelation of the Antichrist. It is not the revelation of the tribulations. It is the revelation of Jesus Christ. And so the book of Revelations is about Jesus Christ. And he says, it is the revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave him to show his servants. So it's plural. God gave this revelation to John to show it to to. I'm sorry, God gave this, uh, the revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave him to show his servant. So God gave Jesus this revelation to show it to his servants. And so it is not restricted to John alone, but it's also for us as the servants of God. So revelation is a book written for us as well. Now, there are people who say that the things contained in revelation are in the past. 
Some people also say that, say that we are living in the present time that Revelation is, Revelation is talking about. We are living in that time. Obviously, when you compare what Revelation says about um, after the tribulations and what we see today, then we cannot say we are living in that present time. Others say that Revelation is totally about the future and it's not something that um, is either in the past or in the present. But both um, all the three stands are not correct. Revelation is a mixture of the present, the future, and the past. And we will see why I'm saying that. Revelation was written at a time that believers or the Christians were being persecuted. And we'll see that again in the book as we continue to read. The Bible, the, the, the verses that I just read says that, Blessed is he who reads and he who hears the words of this prophecy. And so for me, as I'm reading this, there is a blessing for reading this. And there is a blessing for everyone who hears the words of this prophecy. So I wonder why Christians don't read it. If this book has been attached to a blessing for the one who reads it and for the one who hears it, then I wonder why we don't read it. So there is a blessing for us in studying and in reading this book. And I believe that as we continue to go further, we'll understand the point that um, I am making. Now, I'm going to read from verse 4 to verse 8 again. Um, John, John, to the seven churches which are in Asia, grace to you and peace from him who is, who was, and who is to come. And from the seven spirits who are before his throne, and from Jesus Christ, the faithful witness, the firstborn from the dead, and the ruler over the kings of the earth. To him who loved us and, and washed us from our sins in his own blood and has made us kings and priests to his God and Father, to, to him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Now, the first thing that I want to touch on is when you read the um, verse 4, it says grace and peace from him who is, who was, and who is to come. Now, grace and peace was a form of greetings um, or salutation when, uh, I mean, in the, in the, in the um, first century church. So when you read 2 Corinthians uh, verse one, chapter 1, verse 2, it says, it also says grace and peace from God our Father and our Lord Jesus Christ. When you read Philippians chapter 1 verse 2, it also says grace and peace from God our Father and our Lord Jesus Christ. When you read Ephesians chapter 1 verse 2, it also says grace and peace from God our Father and our Lord Jesus Christ. So grace and peace was a form of greeting in the first century church. So verse 4 says grace and peace from he who is who was and who is to come. This is referring to God Almighty. And it talks about, and it's, it says again, and from the seven spirits who are before his throne. This seven spirit has caused a lot of confusion. But the seven spirits here is referring to the Holy Spirit. I will explain why. And from Christ, the faithful witness, the firstborn from the dead, and the ruler of over the kings of the earth. So you see that, first of all, it talks about God the Father. It talks about, it mentions the Holy Spirit before Christ here in this passage. 
and the Holy Spirit is the seven is 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 recorded here as from the seven spirits who are before his throne. Now, when you read Isaiah chapter um Isaiah chapter eleven, verse one and verse two, it talks about the seven different spirits that were upon Jesus Christ. We know that Jesus Christ was not it does not necessarily talk about seven distinct or different types of spirit, but we know that it was the Holy Spirit who was in Jesus Christ that brought about the seven different um, forms of grace or anointing that I should put it in Jesus, um, on Jesus Christ, upon Jesus Christ. I'm sorry. So the Bible says that Jesus Christ came from the wilderness filled with the Holy Spirit. It was the Holy Spirit who overshadowed the mother of Jesus, Mary, and Mary um, became pregnant through the overshadowing power of the Holy Spirit. And so we know that Jesus Christ was filled with the Holy Spirit. And this spirit in Isaiah chapter 11 verse 12 says that Jesus Christ, when he was prophesying about Jesus Christ, said that he was going to be filled with the seven spirits of God. And it is the same um, word that is being used here in Revelations, that it is greetings from grace and peace, which I said was greetings from he who is, who was, and is to come. And that represents God the Father. And he says, and from the seven spirit who are before his throne, that represents the Holy Spirit. And from Jesus Christ, no one else could have been put in that class, in that classification. Like I said, when you look at Corinthians, when you look at Philippians, when you look at Ephesians, this greetings was used in the Bible. And anytime it was used in the Bible, the, um, Paul said, grace and peace from God our Father and from our Lord Jesus Christ. And here in Revelations, John is saying grace and peace from God the Father, from the Holy Spirit, and from Jesus Christ. So the seven spirit here in the book of Revelation is referring to the Holy Spirit. And now look at how it talks about Jesus. He says, and from Christ, the faithful witness, the firstborn from the dead, and the ruler over the kings of the earth. So Christ is the ruler over every kingdom and over every king. At the end of the age, the Bible tells us that all the kingdoms of this world will be handed over to Christ, and Christ is going to hand it over to his Father. So he is the king over every kingdom. On this earth, there is no kingdom that is independent of um, of Christ, and this is very exciting for us to know that Jesus Christ is the King over every kingdom on earth, and this tells us or confirms the fact that He is the King of Kings. Now, another thing we see here in verse six of Revelation chapter one is that. The Bible says, and he has made us kings and priests to his God and Father. To him be glory and dominion forever and ever. I want to touch on kings and priests. Now, when you read Exodus chapter 19, I just want to flip to that quickly and then we'll read. Exodus chapter 19 from verse 5 to verse 6. This is God after he had um, the, um, the covenant with Israel. And this is what he, he, he told them in verse 5. He says, Now therefore, if you will indeed obey my voice and keep my covenant, 
then you shall be a special treasure to me above all the people, for all the earth is mine. And you shall be to me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. This reveals God's desire from the beginning. God's desire from the beginning is that, first of all, is, is that we'll become a kingdom of kings and priests. And this was what God told Israel, that if you are going to obey me, I'm going to, I'm going to um, use you to show forth my glory to the rest of the world. And you people are going to be a kingdom of kings and priests to me. But we know the story of Israel. There are so many times that God tried to draw Israel close to himself. It was Israel kept moving away from God. And so when you read 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9, it tells us that we are a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar nation, a holy people, that we should show forth the glory of him who of him. Sorry, I I think it's better for me to read. Um Chapter 2, verse 9. But you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people, that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. You see, what was in Exodus, God's desire for Israel. It is what through Jesus Christ, everyone who believes has become a kingdom of priests. And kings, and it's the same thing Revelation is telling us here that through Jesus Christ we have become a kingdom. He has made us, it didn't say he's going to make us, he said he has made us a kingdom of kings and priests to his to his God and Father, to him be glory and dominion forever and ever. And so we are a kingdom of priests. We are a kingdom of kings. The Bible says that is what Christ has made us. It didn't say that he is going to make us. Christ has already made us a kingdom of priests and kings. Now, verse 7 says, Behold, he is coming with the clouds, and every eye will see him. Now, this is talking about the appearing of Jesus Christ. I'm sorry. Um, this is talking about the coming of Jesus Christ. It says that everyone will see him, even they who pierced him, and all the tribes of the earth will mourn because of him. Now, this is not talking about the appearing of Jesus Christ, which um, we have called the rapture. The word rapture, which means to be caught up, is not in the Bible, but the word caught up is, is the rapture is a term that we have coined for the, the Hebrew, um, I'm sorry, the Greek, which means to be um, caught up. Or the Greek is hapazo, which means to be caught up. And so this, what the Bible is talking about here in verse 7 is not, um, is the second coming of Christ. Because during the rapture, not everyone will see him. Believers will be caught up with Christ. In the clouds, but here it is saying that behold, he is coming with the clouds, and every eye will see him. This tells us that this is not the rapture, it's not talking about a rapture here. Because during the rapture, 
only the believers are going to see him. And that is that is what we've, we, um, from tradition, we've called the appearing of Christ. And so the appearing of Christ and the second coming of Christ are two different, are two different things. And so uh, um, as we continue to study uh, the book of Revelations, I'm sure we'll touch on um, a few of those things. During the second coming of Christ, Jesus Christ will come here on earth and everybody will see him. But in the, the rapture of the church, when the church will be caught up with Christ, Jesus Christ um, will not be seen by everyone. He will be seen by only the church. He will be seen by only the believers. And so that is not the experience that is being um, explained here. But then, this is talking about the second coming of Jesus Christ. So a number of points here from verse 4 um, to, to verse 7. It tells us that from between verse 4 and verse 7, we see greetings from the Trinity. Again, this also highlights the Trinity to us because it talks about God the Father, it talks about the Holy Spirit, and it talks about Jesus Christ. It says Jesus Christ is the first from the dead. Jesus Christ has become the first from the dead. The epistles of Paul also talks about Jesus Christ being the first from the dead. And he's saying that, it is telling us that behold, he is coming with the clouds and every eye will see him. This is also spoken about in the book of Daniel. I think when you read Daniel chapter 7, it talks about Jesus Christ. Uh, it talks about the Son of Man who will be coming with the clouds. Now, verse 8 says that I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, says the Lord, who is, who was. And who is to come, the Almighty. This talks about Jesus Christ now. The first one was talking about God because Jesus Christ was also mentioned. But then this one is talking specifically about Jesus Christ. It, it tells us that Jesus Christ existed right from the beginning. And he came in the form of a man. And so the people, knew, the people uh, or John, who was the writer, the one who received the vision, knew him as a man. And it tells us that he is, he exists forever. Eternally, Jesus Christ is alive and he's going to live forever. Now, verse 9 says, I, John, both your brother and companion in the tribulation and kingdom and patience of Jesus Christ. was on the island that is called Patmos for the word of God and for the testimony of Christ. I was in the spirit on the Lord's day and I heard behind me a loud voice as a trumpet. Now, John, as I said earlier, that the book of Revelation was written in a time where there was, or the Christians were going through persecution. There was a lot of tribulation. And John is saying that I'm your companion. I'm your brother going through these tribulations together with you. And I received this revelation on the island of Patmos. John was cast to the island of Patmos because of the word of God. And that is why he's writing here that he was on the island of Patmos for the word of God and for the testimony of Christ. Now, church tradition believes that John was um, fried in oil, but he survived it. And then he was thrown in the island of Patmos. It was a form of imprisonment, isolation, that John was kept there alone. And even though John was isolated in, um, 
the land of on the island of Patmos, he did not cease to worship God. And he's saying that I was in the spirit on the Lord's day. So John was worshiping God. Other versions, let me just read the NLT version. You know, people use this term, I am in the spirit. I am in the spirit. And it sounds confusing when people keep saying, I, I am in the spirit or I've entered in the spirit. The being in the spirit is not a place that you, um, you commute to and fro. It is a place that we live as believers. And we can see that from the Bible. So being in the spirit, it's not like you enter into the spirit realm for um, a few minutes and then you come back to the earthly realm. If you are a child of God, and I'm going to explain that before I even read the NLT, let me just go to the book of Romans and explain and, and, and read what Romans, uh, the book of Romans say in verse, in verse Verse 9 of chapter 8 of the book of Romans. And I'm going to read. Um, I'm reading the new um, the NIV. It says, you, however, are not in the realm of the flesh, but in the realm of the spirit. If indeed the spirit of God lives in you. Hallelujah. The Bible is saying that if the spirit of God lives in you, then you are not in the realm of the flesh. You are in the realm of the spirit. And so people make it sound as if um, it's a place you travel into and then you come back on. No, no, no. It's a place that we live continually. As children of God, we are in the realm of the spirit if the Holy Spirit lives in us. And so John said that he was on on the island of Patmos, on the Lord's day. Now, the Lord's day is Sunday. The first century church moved the worship. The um, the Jewish people used to worship God on the um, on the Sabbath day. They didn't do anything on the Sabbath day. But you see, after the death and the resurrection of Jesus Christ, Sunday, which was the resurrection day, became the Lord's day. And it became the day that the church met. So the church used to worship on the Lord's day, which is Sunday, which is the resurrection day. And so John is saying that I was in the spirit. It means that he was worshiping. He was praising God. Even though John had been persecuted, he had been abandoned or isolated, isolated on the island of Patmos. John did not give up his worship. He was worshiping God on the Lord's day. And he was in the spirit. I said I was going to read the NLT version of how, how the NLT, NLT puts this um, particular verse. NLT, Revelation chapter 1 verse 10, he says, It was the Lord's day. As I explained earlier, that is Sunday. It was the Lord's day and I was worshiping in the spirit and suddenly. So John was worshiping in the spirit on the Lord's day. And so when the new King James or the old King James also says that I was in the spirit on the Lord's day. And a lot of people have quoted from here saying I am in the spirit. I am in the spirit. But they don't really understand what 
being um, this scripture, this particular text was saying. John was worshiping in the spirit. Like I said, being in the spirit is not a place that we travel to and then we travel back. Romans chapter nine, chapter 8 verse 9 tells us that if you are a child of God, if the Holy Spirit lives inside of you, then you don't live in the realm of the flesh, but you live in the realm of the spirit if the Holy Spirit lives in you. And so John was saying that he... John is saying that he was worshiping God on the Lord's day, which is a Sunday, and he heard a voice. Even though John had been isolated, punished for preaching the preaching about Jesus Christ, it did not he did not give up on his worship. This tells us that even though we go through times that might be difficult, even though we go through situations that are not pleasant or what we are hoping for, we don't have to give up our worship. Hallelujah. And John did not give up his worship, even though he was isolated, even though he was thrown on the island of Patmos. He said, I was worshiping God on the Lord's day and I heard. So I was in the spirit and I heard behind me a loud voice as a trumpet saying, I am the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last. And what you see, write in a book to to the seven churches which are in Asia, to, to Ephesus, to Smyrna, to Pergamos, to Titeria, to Sardis, to Philadelphia, and to Laodicea. And so the voice told John that what you are about to hear, write, or what, what you are about to see, write in a book. This emphasizes why it is important for believers to get the habit or to learn the habit of writing it is so important that when we come to church we write notes and we put uh whatever we hear in church is important that we write jesus christ was expecting john to write the things that he had can you imagine if john had not written all these revelations this book wouldn't have been there for us to read because i'm sure john would not have remembered everything that he saw that he was told during this revelation that is why it's important in fact it's a heavenly principle to write there are books in heaven so it is writing it's very good amen and so let's get the habit of writing as believers let's write notes whenever we come to church so the the bible tells john um i'm sorry the um the voice tells john that writes the things that you're about to um you're about to see and take it to the seven churches now, when you look at the geographical location of Patmos, from when you look at the map from where Patmos was, the island Patmos was, and the order in which the names of the churches are written, you can see that from Patmos, you first of all have to come through Ephesus, Smyrna, Pegamos, Thyatira, Sardis, Philadelphia, and then come to Laodicea. And so the order in which it was written... Another very very important point is that some people don't some people think that this 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 churches or this um this churches didn't even exist, but when you look at the map, the area that um we are talking about now is present day Turkey. So these churches actually existed. These cities were in existence as at the time John was writing this book, and this was a letter that was meant to address. Issues that were going on in the churches at that time. I believe when we get into chapter 2 and chapter 3, we'll touch more 
on the letters to the churches. Of course, even though the letters were written to the churches, they are of relevance to us in this generation. They are of importance to us. We have to also read these letters and learn from these letters. So, the letters were directed to the seven churches. We see those letters in chapter 2 and chapter 3. And then we'll go, we will touch on those things. Hopefully, we'll touch on the letters to the churches next week. Um, hopefully, um, we are just going to use this week to do the introduction of Revelations, and then we'll touch on the letters to the churches next week, God willing. <clears throat> so, John said, Then I turned to see the voice that spoke to me, and having turned, I saw seven golden lamps, seven golden lampstands. And in the midst of the seven golden lampstands was one like the Son of Man, clothed with garments down to the feet, and gathered about the chest with a golden band. His head and hair were white like wool, as white as snow, and his eyes like a flame of fire. His feet was like fine brass, and as if refined in the furnace. And his voice as the sound of many waters. He, he had in his right hand seven stars. Uh, seven stars. Out of his mouth went a sharp, two-edged sword. And his countenance was like the sun shining in its strength. And when I saw him, I fell at his feet as dead. But he said, but he laid his right hand on me, saying to me, "Do not be afraid. I am the first, and the last." I am he who lives and died, and behold, I am alive forevermore. Amen. And I have the keys of Hades and of death. Amen. Now, this is a wonderful description of Jesus Christ in his glory. Remember that John had always been with Jesus Christ when he was on earth. John actually describes himself as the disciple who Jesus Christ loved. At some point in the book of John, John was laying upon Jesus Christ. And here, when he saw Jesus Christ in his glory, he said, I fell down as dead. So right now, he did, he did not see Jesus Christ, the man who they knew walking in Israel. He did not see Jesus, the man who he was following about, but he saw Jesus Christ in all his glory. And when John saw Jesus Christ in his glory, he could not stand it. He said, I fell down as, 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 as a dead person. I was, oh, I was like, I looked like somebody who was dead when I saw Jesus in his glory. When you look at all the description that John is giving Jesus Christ, he said he was clothed in a garment down to his feet and it was he has given that, uh, I'm sorry, and give that about the chest with a golden band. He said his head, the head on his head was white like a wool. Just begin to picture these things that the book of Revelation is talking about. That when he saw Jesus Christ, even when John saw it, he could not stand. He fainted. But you see, Christ is always strengthening us when he looked as if we have given up. So when John could not stand, Christ touched him. He said that when I saw him in verse 17, when I saw him, I fell at his feet as dead. John fell at the feet of Jesus Christ as dead. 
But he laid his right hand on me saying, do not be afraid. Jesus Christ says here again, do not be afraid. When John saw Jesus in the fullness of his glory, he was scared and he fell, he fell down as, as a dead person. But Jesus Christ comes in again. The first thing he says is do not be afraid. Like I said in the introduction, fear is not of God. The purpose of revelations is not to bring fear. And so, even when John saw Jesus Christ and he, he was afraid, the first thing Jesus Christ told him is, do not be afraid. And so, when you read revelations, you, you don't have to be afraid. You don't have to be scared about the things that are written in revelation. The purpose of the revelation is not to bring fear. And we see it here as Jesus Christ is telling John, don't be afraid. So the purpose of revelation is not to bring fear. Jesus Christ says, I am he who lives and was dead. And behold, I am alive forevermore. John, he's reminding John that I am the one who lived. I'm the man that you saw years ago. I'm the one who lived with you guys. He said, I was dead. I was crucified. But now I live forevermore. He's never going to die again. Jesus Christ is alive. Alive forevermore. And because he lives, we will also live. Because he lives, we, will, we, will, we also have life eternal. Amen. He says, and I have the keys of Hades and of death. Very interesting. Jesus Christ has keys of Hades and of death. It means he has power over those who are dead. <laughs> when you talk about those who are alive, he, said, he says, I am alive forevermore. And those who are dead, he said, I have power over those who are dead. Now, the Bible tells us that Jesus Christ, when he died, he went into the outermost part, declared the gospel. And again, it tells us that he, uh, the Bible tells us that he, he got into a battle and then he overcame and was victorious in the book of Peter. And so he's saying that I have the keys. I have the authority over death and Hades. And he's, he's telling John, write these things which you have seen and the things which are. And the things, note verse 19. Verse 19 makes a very, very important point when you are reading Revelation. He says, write these things which you have seen and the things which are and the things which will take place. Now, it talks about the past, the present and the future. He says the things which you have seen. So the things that John have seen are the things of the past. He says the things which are, which means the things which are present now at the time John was writing. And the things which will take place, which means the things of the future. And that is why I said from the beginning that Revelations talks about the, the past, the present, and the future. And so if you just say that Revelation is about the past and it only refers to the people, the church of the first century, you'll be wrong. If you talk about oh, Revelation is the present, that's what we are living in now, you'll also be wrong. And if you say Revelation is all about the future and not about the present, you'll also be wrong. But Jesus Christ from verse 19 uh, of chapter 1 says that write the things which you have seen. Those are the things of the past. The things... Which are, talking about the present, and the things which 
will take place after this, which is about the future. So Revelation talks about the past, it talks about the present, and it talks about the future as well. And so when we are interpreting Revelations, we should consider it as a book that touches the past, the present, and the future. If you or if some people only see Revelations as futuristic, and that would be wrong. Amen. Revelations chapter 1 verse 19 tells us that Revelation does not only talk about the past, but also talks about the future. Verse 20. The mystery of the seven stars, which you saw in my right hand, and the seven golden lamps, lampstands. The seven stars are the angels of the church, churches, and the seven lampstands which you saw are the seven churches. Now, one, um, one thing here that has been an issue of contention is um, the angels of the seven churches. Some people say they were actual angels, and some people say that um, they are the leaders or the pastors of the church. And I believe that they were they are the leaders or the pastors of the church. It's not talking about actual angels, even though the word, the Greek word that is that was used for angel in the first verse, and the Greek word that is used for angels in this verse are the same thing. This particular verse is talking about the pastors or the leaders of the church. And so the Bible is telling us the seven stars are the angels of the church, of the seven churches, which are the pastors and the, and the, and, and all the leaders. And the seven lampstands, which you saw, are the seven churches. Now, let's go back a little and look at something very interesting. Now that we know that the seven um, the seven lampstands represent the seven churches. Let's see verse 16. Verse 16 says, He had in his right hand seven, star, seven stars. And the Bible says, The seven stars are the angels of the church. So Jesus Christ has the leaders of the churches in his hands. And again, the part that I'm more interested in is that he had and out of his mouth went a, sh a sharp two-edged sword and his countenance like the sun shining. So Jesus Christ was standing in the midst of the lampstand. That's what the Bible tells us, that the, he, he was standing in the midst of the lampstand. And this is very important. And that is, I'm sorry, that, that is in verse 13. It says, and in the midst of the seven lampstands, one like the son of man. So Jesus Christ is standing in the midst of the seven lampstands. The last verse of Revelation tells us that the seven lampstands are the churches. And so whenever the church meets, like he said, I will never leave. It's where two or three people are gathered in my name. I am there. And so Jesus Christ was, the revelation that John saw, Jesus Christ was standing in the midst of the church. Wherever we gather and we meet as a church, Jesus Christ is present with us. And the book of Revelations confirmed that fact, that Jesus is present with us whenever we meet as a church. He's there with us. The Bible says that he has the stars in his hands. The stars which 
um, represent the angels of their churches. The reason why, one of the few reasons why I believe that the stars, uh, the angel of the churches um, refer to the leaders of the church. When the letter was being written, we'll see that next week, God willing, in chapter 2 and chapter 3, it says to the angel of the church of Ephesus, write, now, if God was going, if Jesus Christ was going to give a message to an angelic being, right, he wouldn't ask John to write that message to that angelic being. So he says to the angel of the church of Ephesus, right? So to the leader, to the pastor of the church of Ephesus, right? And these letters were actually distributed to the churches. And the churches read it like we see in, in the book of um, Colossians, Ephesians, Philippians. They were all written to churches. And those letters were read in those churches. And so the book of Revelations, Jesus Christ um, is telling John, write this letter to the angel of the church in Ephesus, to the pastor, to the leader. And so Jesus had a message for the pastor. If Jesus wanted to communicate a message to the angel, he wouldn't ask John to write the revelation and go and give it to the angel, <laughs> right? I'm sure Jesus Christ would have given the message to the angel directly. And so that is one of the reasons I believe that the angel that is spoken about here to the angel of the church refers to the leaders and the pastors. We'll go deeper. We'll touch on this again um, next week. So that is our Revelations chapter 1. Um, this is just the introduction of uh, Bible study for the first quarter of the year. Um, we'll get deeper into it, into the book of Revelations. Um, next week, we'll deal with chapter 2 and chapter 3, God willing. And I, I hope that you are blessed. Um, do you have a question? Any question? <laughs>